Hi guys, it's Tyler here from the Danganronpa Afterclass podcast. Just before we get into reviewing chapter two of Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc today, we just wanted to give you guys a quick update. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can go to DRAfterclassPod and you will be able to get an update to when every single new episode has been released on our podcast. We also will keep you up to date as to the progress of uh, when we are recording and when we are mixing our new episodes as well. It is the one best place to go if you want updates on everything and anything Danganronpa After Class podcast. So that's DR After Class Pod on Twitter. That's where you can go if you want to follow us. Now let's get straight into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Good morning, sir. Welcome to the next episode of Danganronpa After Class. This will be episode three. Uh, I am here with Patrick and Jared, as always. How are we, gentlemen? Hi, I'm Patrick, and yeah, I'm yeah. well. <laughs> and I'm Jared. I'm I'm better, better than that. <laughs> oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> We've. Uh, <laughs> We've been chatting for like the last twenty minutes, and we've sort of, we've sort of just been making a lot of jokes at the moment. So everyone's in a in quite the banterous mood, um, which is which is obviously a fantastic, fantastic thing. Um, just very quickly, boys, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, earlier we're recording this uh, a couple of days after episode two came out. And I don't know if you noticed, but we made an announcement on our official Twitter and. It blew the hell up because the team over at the Danganronpa Wiki Twitter account retweeted it and showed it to about... I had a look at the analytics. About 5,000 people have seen the tweet that was sent out. And we've had quite a bunch of people come on um, and listen to it. So, like, that's pretty insane. I mean, what do... How, I'm looking at Patrick's face. He's shocked at the moment with the uh, <laughs> amount of interactions uh, that have been shown. A lot of pressure, is it? <laughs> no, it's just like there are so many people in the world. Like it, it's a, t- mm. it's it's like compared to the global population, it's like oh, it's five thousand people. It's nothing, and then you consider it in relative to your own life, and you're like oh, I've never spoken before that many people before. <laughs> I've done public speaking. Imagine events, that many so. people in a room staring at you. <laughs> I mean, Imagine I can live with that, but still. Of rice. <laughs> yeah, imagine 5,000 grains of rice in a rice cooker. Mm. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, just, that's it. <laughs> think about it. Just think about it. That sounds awesome. Consider it. Now, now I just want rice. Man, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm hungry. I'm eating a muffin and the mu- and I'm still hungry now. <laughs> Fucking, ugh. Anyway, <laughs> let's, let's, let's actually get to the point of the podcast where we're going to be reviewing chapter two of Danganronpa, Tricker. Happy Havoc. I had to space it out that time to make sure that I didn't uh, get tongue twisted. But uh, just before we get into an, a long form discussion of everything, um, 
what were your thoughts on the chapter? Jer I mean, Jared, I mean, I know that when we recorded the first two episodes in one sitting, you weren't actually finished with this chapter yet. It was the first chapter after yeah, I, the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the tutorial of chapter one, I guess. So yep, <laughs> the tutorial. getting out of the handholding stage, oh. how, how did it come across when you, when you played it? Mm. Yeah, it felt a lot better knowing like how the game works. So I went into it and like, okay, now I know how I'm going to spend my free time, how I'm going to get into this mystery and we'll just figure it out. And you told us to make some predictions. Mm, I did. Upon starting yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what did you what did uh, you do? At the start of the chapter, my predicted victim, as much as it would have pained me, and I knew it would have been the thing that pained me the most, I picked Owie as a Hina. Really? Yeah. Ah. I thought so, because the pool just got revealed, and with what you guys said about ah. how um, Sayaka had a lot of like push for time with her... I figured, like, if they're putting the pool in, this will probably lead to Aoi having some problems because she's the swimmer. Right, okay. So you were maybe but, expecting, like, a drowning sort of situation um, where she might have been drowned or some sort of accident by the pool or... Yeah. Or even if there was just more, like, background story going on with yeah. her and the pool. It's and, a sound guess. Like, like, did you have a... Check yeah. um, a killer prediction of who you thought was going to kill Aoi? Yeah, predicted killer. I picked Toko. Ooh, okay. Because <laughs> I wrote down sociopath vibes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get into sociopath vibes in a little uh, bit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Picking up on that. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit more intense than a sociopath, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> oh, but like earlier in the chapter, mm. she was just like giving off those, those vibes. vibes. I'm like, mm, all right, that's gonna be that's, some trouble. That's interesting, uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Patrick. Mm. How about yourself? I mean, you'd already played it when we first started the first episode, but going into chapter two, if you can recall, what were your sort of inclinations <laughs> or your thoughts as to how it would play out before you actually proceeded, or did you not really think about it since you'd already played that part? I mean, because I kind of rolled into it from like the first bit to the second. I wasn't so much thinking about. I remember, um. I was concerned, and I still am concerned, for Aoi's safety. <laughs> I like Hina. I like her a lot. She's nice. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't want her to die. She's but a um, girl. And then, yeah, I, I did have a, a similar moment where I was like, oh, they're introducing, like, a gym and a pool and these other sort of rooms. I wonder which one of them, like, a game room or whatever. I wonder which one of them will be the uh, murder location. But I remember how much they were stressing the stuff about the bathrooms, and I was like, okay, alright, there's gonna be some bullshit <laughs> done with some <laughs> some bathroom shenanigans uh, going to come up. Um, yeah, I, I thought that, like, I didn't think it would be who it was. I thought it would be one of the more... Uh, I, none of the characters are really standard, but I guess just, like... One of the less. It was our left um, field, is what it, what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, like one of the less like physically, um, uh, I physically interesting in terms of their design characters, mm. like either Aoi or like I don't know. I thought maybe even the detective, like they could throw a red herring and kill mm. her really early. Um, the Kyoko. not a detective, detective, whatever her name Kyoko, is. Kyoko is that who you think it of? Kyoko, yeah. Mm. I the remember ultimate, uh, the ultimate. Uh, um, I remember when I. 
<laughs> I remember when I first played the chapter, I, um, I'd just come out of having, um, I, I sort of was like, okay, I don't know if I should really be super attached to any of the standout characters because three standout characters died in the first chapter, which if you haven't listened to episode two of our podcast, spoilers, you should go back and listen to it. It was a really interesting discussion, but when we reviewed it, obviously the, the three people who passed away or were killed were Sayaka, Junko and Leon, who were three of the more standout, um, characters in terms of either design or just like presence in the chapter. So I remember when I was playing chapter two, I was like, okay, maybe I should look at some of the characters who are less prominent and, and, and focus on developing relationships with them. Little did I know that when the second victim, murder victim showed up, that I would scream at the top of my voice, <laughs> causing one, at the time one of my Sweet housemates boy. guests to almost shit themselves because they were walking past my room with my door closed and they just heard me scream, no! And they were terrified. They'd never been there before. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> I, was so, I felt so bad, but um, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was something. You ever anyway. cock-blocked your friend? You ever cock-blocked your friend by doing an impersonation of fucking Anakin Skywalker at the end of episode three? <laughs> it's like the murder happens and you're just sitting there going, no! And this woman's I just like, okay, sand. look, I need to leave this fucking house. Like, this is... <laughs> no, it was definitely a primal no scream. <laughs> primal like, no! It's not like... <laughs> It's not Whoa. like it's not like I uh, I acted it out or it was like you know intentional. Like I sort of was just sitting there because one of the things that will actually we'll get into it when we get to discussing about the murder. But let's just let's start talking about the the, uh, the ch- episode of the chapter before the fuck we. Is a primal no. <laughs> Like that's some kind of weird thing that our ancestors did in the in the field in the fields hunting mammoths and shit. Generations. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) An ancient primal art form from when we were developing as chimps to scream no as loudly as physically possible. (laughs) An ancient technique. The ancient technique. (laughs) Oh goodness. Alright. Fuck we digress. Uh, something before we got to free time, if I can kick us in the yeah, direction. Sure. Mm. There was the letter that they found mm. in the library. We'll get to that. Saying that the school had been yeah, shut down. Oh, it's, yeah, it's true, 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 true. So let's just go with it. Before we get to our first bits of free time, let's talk about what happens throughout the chapter up until, um, up until that point, right? So the first thing that happens in the chapter after chapter two starts is you're with Makoto and he's in his bathroom and the bathroom's completely clean. Sayaka's corpse has been removed as has all the blood. Um, it is completely clean. In the actual um, anime, in this scene, Makoto's actually having a shower when he's contemplating this. So um, he's, you know, it's almost as like, the quote I got from this was, it's almost like there was never anything there to begin with. And it, it's it's just a harrowing thought to think that someone that you were really close with was killed. You step away for a couple of hours, come back, they're gone. It's as if nothing mm. happened, but they no mm. longer exist. It's just a terrifying, a terrifying. Yeah, no, thing. I it, I was thinking about how like difficult it would be to like that you're basically given no time to mourn or do anything. Like you you can't 
um, sort of take in the fact that the death has happened. That person is just gone now. Yeah, it's it's very it's very startling. Um, the cast as they sort of come in in the morning, um, they sort of reaffirm their belief with Makoto, and they're like, well, you know, I think Kiyotaka makes a poor joke saying like it would have been difficult sleeping in your room with a corpse in the bathroom, and Mondo's just like that's fucked up, man. Like, why would you say something like that? Which sort of just highlights how Taka's got like that lack of social awareness sort of thing and, and how social interactions sort of play. Um, but at this point, um, you know, everyone's sort of reaffirming their support in Makoto and, you know, the fact that he works so hard throughout the trial to sort of protect each other. But Patrick's favorite man, Byakuya comes in or Bakugan as he's been referred to in the past. By Akuya. Dude, I started watching the Danganronpa 2 um, playthrough again of Cinnamon Coast Toast Ken. And he makes a reference to the first game with by, with Byakuya. And he says, by Akuya again! And it's... Oh. They say it in the game! Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Byakuya... You, you. They say it in the game, me. <laughs> Bakugan go... Mm. <laughs> We are not the same, Tyler. Uh, clearly not. Um, <laughs> Do not compare. <laughs> uh, but in this point, uh, Byakuya comes in and has to ruin the good vibes. And he comes in um, and dismisses everyone, saying that uh, anyone can do anything or could be oh, could could kill us at any point now that, that Sayaka has started the chain reaction. Toko reaffirms uh, this statement as well, uh, going along with her inferiority and her... Uh, perceived, um, you know, need to feel afraid about everything. And um, one of the most standout points of all of this is that Chihiro is very racked with guilt over voting for Leon to be the Blackened because in this instance, he feels, or she feels, I should say, because I've sort of mistakenly used the wrong term there. We're going to say that again. Hang on. Because she feels that everyone has condemned Leon to die, so they are all guilty for the fact that he was cast off as the Blackened and then executed by Monokuma in such a brutal way. And, you know, even though everyone tried to sort of like says, look, you shouldn't think like that, otherwise you're not going to last very long and it's uh, you're, you're just going to drive yourself mad. Of course, Monokuma pops up and, you know, reminds everyone, you know, this is just part of the trial process. <laughs> if you vote someone as the Blackened, you are condemning them to death, and that is on you, because Monokuma's a dick. Mm. Um, the morning sort of just... Otherwise, everyone dies. <laughs> so, as the day progresses, they go to the gym, and Monokuma... It's actually quite a funny scene. Monokuma starts this, like, stretch routine, and everyone's just standing there. They don't give a shit, except for Taka. He's following every single instruction, going, one, two, three, four, following Monokuma. <laughs> the level of insufferable. <laughs> like, it, between between him, Bakugan, and Toku, uh, Toko... Toku? Just... <laughs> the... <laughs> Toku. Just... Toku. The, the worst three people... To be in a confined space with, I think, in, like, in any reality. Just this one guy who won't shut the fuck up about how smart and good he is. Um, fucking Toko who won't shut the fuck up about her insecurities. And Taka who is just... 
a special kind of blithering fucking moron. Like socially inept. A real yeah, socially inept, but also a bootlicker. So it just like really this nice divergent path of just complete asshole. Uh, <laughs> it has no boot to leak. I feel like I'm gonna stoke such a fucking beehive, like, if more and more people listen to this of me just going really hard on somebody's, like, favourite character and uh, getting so much backlash for it. But fuck you, they deserve it. Get us in it. the comments. Yeah. First in the comments to tell me how I'm wrong, and I'll reply to that telling you to go fuck hey, yourself. If you want... <laughs> If you want to That's leave my feedback, promise to you. If you want to leave feedback on anything that we say at any point, you can submit voice recorded uh, questions on Anchor on the Anchor feed. You can Whoa. also tweet us at the DR Afterclass Pod accounts to let us know, and we will we will come back to it. Don't worry. I'm sure Patrick follow will have lots on- of choice words to yeah. say. Follow me on Twitter. I'll follow you back, and ah, uh, you send me the message being like, "Here are my reasons that I think that your critique, sir, is incorrect," and I'll reply back, "Doo doo, piss, fuck, eat shit," and that's <laughs> gonna be our discourse in this context. Because I'm 24, going on seven, and that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're you're a grown child. Uh, <laughs> I'm a grown child. Mon- Monokuma then offers to stimulate the boredom of the students and uh, he sort of advises that there is a new post-trial world that the students will get to discover. Um, basically, what has happened in this instance is he's a- he's let everyone know that once you pass a murder trial, if you well, if you succeed, you are rewarded with new parts of the school being opened up. So in this instance... The second floor has opened up, um, and we sort of have a look at everything. Uh, the rooms on the second floor include a pool with two adjoining locker rooms, two new classrooms, and a library with an archive in it. Uh, the pool has a Gatling gun outside of the locker rooms. Rule is, and then when asked about it, it's Monokuma says that it is to separate the students according to gender, so a boy doesn't go into the girls' locker room, and vice versa. And when Celeste brings up the quite intelligent point of what happens if we give our notebooks to someone else, or our e-handbooks, he goes, hmm, okay, new rule, you can't loan your handbook to anyone anymore, or you will face punishment. And as we all know, Jared, what does punishment entail? Execution. Exactly. (laughs) Um, on top of this, they, ex- they explore the library, um, and the note that I have here is Hifumi versus Toko, Dojin versus Love Smut. They have an argument over literature, and what is more acceptable as a term of literature, whether it be disgusting drawn comics, or the, the sort of Twilight-like Love Smut books that that people sort to love, like wrote sort of weird romantic novels, which is what Toko is known for. It was very cringe. I, I will, I will say myself, I, I couldn't deal with it. Oh, uh, fuck. Like I, um, I don't even remember this. I've, I haven't even written it down. Yeah, I've seemingly erased <laughs> this conversation from my mind <laughs> just to make sure it's never happened. Wiped it entirely. Um, no, a, a legitimate, legitimate, um, interesting topic, though. What's more appropriate, looking at 
drawn pictures of legally, not legally distinct people from other people's intellectual property having sex with each other, or romance novels about a fisherman, but both of them are done by high schoolers, and you know that going in. <laughs> what do, do you I pick? Have to choose. You have five seconds. I have a gun. I'm pointing Just it at you. Trigger. You have to choose. <laughs> pull the trigger. <laughs> I'd rather die. <laughs> Uh, what uh, what uh, Toko? The quote that Toko says during this exchange is: "Most fanfic is just porn drawn by a bunch of amateurs." Uh, and Hifumi says, "You just don't get it, not at all." And she's like, "With a face like yours, anyone can tell nothing you do is worthwhile." And she, oh, she, she savages into Hifumi. It's just, oh, and Damn. then he, the one quote I got from him is ridiculous, and it just it makes me shrivel into uncomfortableness. Is <laughs> what you see before you is nothing more than the rind that contains the meaty pulp of my genius. Really, <laughs> I don't think I want to eat pork anymore. Yeah, pork is uh, <laughs> soft the is menu, busted. boys. But the, the main the thing, I had sausages for breakfast. I'm, I'm regretting that. The main thing that sort of stands out during this phase is... (laughs) Witness the rind. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, goodness. Um, The two things that stand out about the library in terms of progressing the story, per se, other than just looking around the... The, uh, the rooms, is two things are found uh, by Kyoko. The first thing that's found is a broken laptop with no power. Um, you know, Makoto saying that he wish he could go online and see what's happening in the outside world. And then a, on a shelf, there's a sealed letter um, from the Hope's Peak office, uh, which was buried under a thick layer of dust. It must have been sitting there for quite a while. And Kyoko uh, asks Makoto to read it. And Makoto reads it out loud to everyone. And this is what the letter says. Throughout the years, we have been committed to shaping the youth who will one day shape the world. We have a long, proud history as an institution of higher learning with full government support. Our graduates enter society ready to take on active leadership roles in every major job field. However, Hope Peak Academy must now lower the curtain on its glorious history for the time being. This decision was not an easy one to make, but serious issues beyond our control have made it necessary. But But make no mistake, this is not the end for Hope Peak Academy. We intend to reopen our doors as soon as the issues forcing our closure have been resolved. That being said, this is the end for now, and we would like to personally and sincerely thank everyone for your help and support over the years. For now, we are awaiting official governmental authorization to formally cease operations. Signed, Hope's Peak Academy Executive Office. Uh, this sort of comes out of left field. Uh, You're in Hope's Peak Academy. As far as you're aware, it's still functioning, but this letter appears to have been stopped functioning for implying that it's stopped functioning for quite some time all the students remember getting to the school just a few days ago but kyoko says that if she had to guess the letter would have been at least one year old based on the amount of dust that was in that was in the letter um you know of course byakia being the conspiracy theorist of the group 
it seems, implies that the letter might be fake, obviously. Uh, but this is definitely a weird development when it comes to, you know, what is the mastermind's motive behind this, if there is a mastermind, and why they're doing this if the school's supposedly been shut down for so long. How did they get here only a few days ago? What What's happened? Um, Jared, when you were playing through this, what sort of... What was going through your head when you heard all of this? This is what you referenced as well as the major thing that stood out yeah. to you. With the letter, I figured, like, they all went into this school knowing that it was still functioning and all that. So, it's not like it's common knowledge in the world that the school is shut. So, it's like either the mastermind is just that powerful that they've hidden this stuff or now talking about this again I'm starting to get some other ideas like we don't know how long they were passed out for at the start of the game <laughs> yeah yeah no I've I've so, got a similar sentiment to that mm. which is like there could be some time shenanigans happening here I mean there's mm. there's stuff in chapter 3 that starts happening that I'm I'm inclined to say reaffirms my time shenanigans perspective, but I have a, I need to get all the way through chapter three, and we need to get to chapter three before I can comment on those. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I also just remembered: was the letter sealed when it was on yes. that table? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was sealed. So, yeah, I suppose it, they would have made more copies and sent them out to whoever it was relevant to, but like the fact that no one had opened it. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, on top of all of this, when we go back to the dining hall, uh, Taka uh, tells everyone, at least in this moment anyway, uh, that um, the warehouse and bathhouse on level one has also uh, opened up. So, uh, because of this, um, they've gotten to a point at the moment where they've got more freedom within their already provided lifestyle as well. So, um, they note that there's mountains of food, clothes, whatever you would want in the warehouse in order to, you know, survive and live. Uh, and obviously there's about ba- a bathhouse as well in case you don't want to shower and you want to, you know, it's sort of like a Japanese bathhouse sort of thing where there's multiple tubs and it's like a public, um, it's like a public service sort of thing, uh, for all the students. And they have a sauna in as well, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, the As they roll over to the next day, um, Monokuma lets them know that they should check their e-handbooks um, for the new regulation that was added the day prior. Um, everyone sort of goes to breakfast um, and sort of talks about everything. Uh, and after, you know, having a little bit of a conversation... Uh, there's a loud crash as Celeste has thrown her cup to the ground after Hafumi has made a tea for her, and she sort of goes out of character a little bit and threatens severely and angrily Hafumi, saying that, you know, you should hurry up and bring me what I asked for, you swine. And everyone sort of notices, is like, that was like a totally different person right there. Almost like she went totally psycho. Um, and then... It seems that Biakia has refused to leave his room and everyone decides to go search for him and after a while they find him in the library reading a book, drinking coffee and he sort of just says, can you leave me the, you know, in in nicer words than what I'm about to say, fuck off, leave me alone, I want to read my books. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, it's just... I... Mm, I, uh... <clears throat> mm. uh okay, so, I have the... thoughts about this moment and the ones that come before them with Well, Bianca. before we get into that, I'll just finish off this section of the conversation yeah, and yeah, then that will go into your thoughts, I believe. Mm. Um, Biakia, after speaking with all the students after they find him, sort of, sort of you know, he reaffirms, you know, um, you know, he's reading... He's reading mystery novels, um, and he's like, if I decide to fight in his game, uh, I'll come up with something original, um, otherwise it'll be boring. It's not often you get to take part in such a high-stakes, high-tension activity. Um, and, you know, he sort of says, like, you know, this is a game of life or death, which they we can only have one winner, and I will be that winner. And Celeste goes on to explain that, you know, this is part of game theory, it's a zero-sum game where, you know, in order for one person to gain something, another must lose something. It's necessary for it to work. So in other words, it's a situation in which you all compete for, you know, position or resources, um, you know, and only one person can be successful in the situation where if they're going to try and escape the school, only one person can do it and everyone else has mm. to lose. So um, the gay... Bianca goes on to say, you know... This game was designed from the beginning to force one of us to try and defeat the others. Why? And after they say, you shouldn't play the game, there is no reason to do it. He says, why would I want to stop? This is fun. I enjoy this. You know, and it, it's noticed that it's like, he's coming across as quite the sadistic evil person in this instance. Um, and he's very, you know, arrogant. He thinks, you know, I'm not going to lose this game. I'm going to win. I, I am that superior to all of you. You're, you know, you know, Mondo confronts him quite aggressively and he says, look, the fact, I still can't believe that an uneducated, brain dead, useless piece of garbage like you has survived for this long in this game. <laughs> and he's saying like, I won't die. It's impossible. It's, he almost sounds like Charlie Sheen when he was having his, you know, relapse where he's like, I can't die. It's out of this realm. You know, this is how Pinocchio yeah. is coming across. And, you I know... Chihiro sort of has a breakdown. It's like, why... Why... This isn't a game. Our lives are on the line. Killing your friends is horrific. He's like, who said we're friends? And he... He slams so hard into Chihiro and forces her to, you know... You know, for the first part of free time, you can't talk to Chihiro. It's impossible. She's too upset for you to interact with her. And, you know, Mondo sticks up for her. They all sort of stick on for her. And this... This action really drives a fucking wedge in the group between Biakia and Toko, who who agrees with what some of the parts of you saying, you know, because of her insecurity. She's like, you all want me dead. And this drives a wedge between them, between everyone. They should be working together, but they're not. Um, it's quite a, a confronting conversation to have Biakia think he's that above everyone. I wrote down a note about what Toko said there. The quote being, I bet you all want me gone. You all think I'm disgusting. Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I had the same sentiment. <laughs> exact same sentiment. I just like, fuck off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, you mention it. I'm, I'm repulsed enough by you to not like actively want you dead, but if you died, I wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> um, Someone's got to do it, right? But yeah, exactly. By contrast, I actively would like Biakia to die. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I... I it, it's at this point that I think, like... 
What frustrates me with this is the... I get that the arrogance is part of the character, and that's all well and good. And, you know, this is actually really well written um, in terms of, like, just having somebody who's so outwardly antagonistic. It helps drive the plot along. But there was just something that was going through my mind while he's doing all of this, which is this man believes... This, this child, sorry, believes he is such a fucking genius. And yet he just keeps begging for somebody to either hurt or kill him. And, it, like, because he's just... Te- he just... He's so, like, fucking obnoxiously arrogant that he just telegraphs every single strategy that he has to everyone at all times. This happens consistently throughout this chapter. We'll get into another instance of it later, and I'll comment on that when we do. But, like, particularly in the in the beginning scene with the dining room, he comes in and basically just starts to paint a target on himself. And I'm and early on I'm and I'm still even now not a hundred percent convinced that this isn't in some way intentional so that he can try and create a trap that'll let him live through. I kind of don't actually believe that he's as self like centered as he's saying that he is because if he is that self centered like that it's kind of like an anti survival strategy in reality because if you stake out for yourself that much there are ways around killing people that neutralize them like it's not really brought up but if he's doing he has this whole speech in the library where he you know goes into how he's basically like just preemptively reading mystery novels and all of this different trying to go through all of this different information to basically get into the mindset of being able to take somebody down and get away with it there's about like 15 other people in the room at that point why don't they all just don't hold him down and break his arms and legs like realistically, yeah. what the what the fuck's this guy gonna do then? And then There's he's no just rules like against violence. because yeah, this is like a this is like a zero sum game. If you're trying to get out, if you're not trying to get out, it's not one. It's actually a cooperative living experience where there are consistent threats to your to your well being and way of life, which you can then work. Yeah, you can then work in a group to resolve those conflicts. Which is basically the tactic that Celeste is taking effectively, even though I'm pretty convinced personally that she'll... Yeah, though I'm pretty convinced personally that she'll kill somebody later on, because I think that the expedient way for somebody who's like got that disposition of gambling to try and get out of the situation is effectively play your cards very like conservatively until you think that you think that you have like the perfect window of opportunity to execute on it. So unless Biaki is using reverse psychology to effectively kind of trick everybody into thinking that he's a threat and by proxy, like, always kind of seemingly become more and more trustworthy every time they have to actively prove that he's not a killer, it, like, it doesn't make sense as a ploy because, yeah, somebody, like, you can be made into a passive member of this society if they want to be brutal enough and I don't really see a reason like in a practical sense not to be whilst I don't think that the characters themselves would do something like that it's you know on a personality level it seems like too great of a risk to take if you're trying to be like all seventh dimensional tactician about the entire living situation here that's just my thoughts on it. And it was making me very frustrated that, like, the game's kind of letting him have this aura of, oh, I'm so fucking smart and superior telling everybody that I'm going to kill them, when, like, my my impulse thing was just, somebody should tell Mondo to snap his legs. 
and then we just leave him in the library. <laughs> what then? What, what then? Fuck, it, it, you know? It, it, does it count as murder if he just starves to death? <laughs> you know? <laughs> before we go on to the, the last plot points before investigation, trial, and murder, free time. Who did you guys spend free time with? I'll start with you, Jared. Who did you spend some time with this time? You had five, five free times. Uh, for the first two, you couldn't speak to Chihiro. That you could speak to, I believe you could speak to anyone else other than Chihiro. Uh, actually, you can't speak to Biakia at all. And obviously the three dead students. So you can't speak to Biakia at all. And you can't speak to Chihiro for the first two. So who did you speak to? Yeah, like I went knocking on Biakia's door at like every free time trying to speak to him. And just got no response at all. Um, so I ended up speaking to Aoi, Hiro, Toko, Celeste, and I think Aoi again. I forgot to write down who the fifth one was. But yeah, that was interesting. Right, okay. Did you learn anything interesting from these free times? Um, well, the things that I got down... <laughs> I spoke to Hiro, and he read my fortune. And he said, oh, now you owe me a grand. Don't worry, you can pay me after school. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Oh, I've been swindled here! Damn, I need to run Hello? a racket like that. I'd get so much money. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, and then I got a similar run around from Celeste, where we played some game of chance. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. But then the text was just, Celeste gave you the business. <laughs> so I've just... I've taken the business. Oofed. I've been swindled. Oh, it's just been an all-round bad time. <laughs> so you spoke Take. with Hero, Toko, Celeste, and Hina twice. Yeah. Mm, okay. Toko was interesting because I was starting to get those sociopath vibes. I'm like, I need to, I need to look into this a little bit more. Mm. And she was still like, that's. I think was that when we were getting the weird talks about genocide, Jack and. Uh, oh. so that was something that was I brought up in chapter one time. that we actually missed, which was, uh, when they were talking about the theory of a mastermind before any of the murders took place, Chihiro brings up the possibility of a serial killer named Genocide Jack, who is, who has been present, uh, prominent in the media prior to them entering the school uh, as being a super elusive serial killer, uh, who hasn't been caught. So that is something that was brought up. Um, in chapter one that we actually missed. Um, so, um, yeah, maybe you, you sort of Didn't made that connection. Didn't seem too important. Yeah. There was just something going mm. on there. Just, uh, yeah. I don't think there was much I got from yeah. that. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Okay. Mr. Patrick, who did yes, you spend indeed. time with? Mostly Hina. A little bit of time with Celeste. And I think I did one of Mondo's. And that was pretty much it, because that was, like, the items I had, effectively. And I'm, I was tr- I was and still am trying to just rush down and complete Hina's link. So I'm spending every time that I can with her, mm. because I want to just get at least one character done. So I rush down her, and then I'll piece together the rest of them afterwards. But yeah, no. Um, I, I ended Hina's- up getting a bunch of skills. Well, what was that, Jared? Sorry? I got a bunch of skills. I think I got one from Hero. I got one from Toko. Oh. Um, yeah, just off one interaction. 
<laughs> oh no! <laughs> That's good to yeah, know. Oh, <laughs> 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 so. Uh, because that's the that's uh, I'm I'm assuming that that's the they die early warning. Um, but like I so, yeah, because it's so, so much time into Hina. Chapter two, I'll give you guys a, like a little bit of an indicator. Now that we're past chapter two, Sayaka's only got two points to her develop story development. Everyone else has five. Mm. So there's no spoilers. Oh, okay. Some guests, some students give more than two. Give like two or more skills. You don't necessarily yeah. get a skill early just because someone's going to die. Um, okay, okay, cool. Because, like, I was so, going to say, the um, the um it's weird that Hina gives her skills so late. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I think I got the first one in Chapter 3. And, like, I'd just been spending so much time with her, like, every single free time. And then I only got the first one, like, then. Which was just... Took a mm. weird turn for it but anyway yeah so, i basically split it between hina and um and uh celeste and then one uh experience with mondo but the thing that uh struck with me about hina's um experiences was that uh hina just was pulling out these really weird references to like early 2000s sports people and like particularly like Ian Thorpe just comes up in one of her, in one of her oh, like yeah. side things, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like that's a name I haven't heard for so long. <laughs> but so relevant. Yeah, uh, repping the three, repping the home team. As three Australian boys having a podcast, it's quite the uh, reference, G'day. you know, mm. to hear Ian Thorpe, who's a you know uh, Australian sporting icon, being referenced mm. in this game. Breaks the fourth wall. Oh yeah, I used to be really like, like I never, never, not obsessed, but like I used to be very um, I used to admire him a lot, like as a kid up until about the age of like ten or so. So yeah, like that yeah, was just definitely. a weird like, whoa, okay, what the fuck, <laughs> what a what a pull. Um, so the skills that Jared would have got, uh, one of them, which is from Toko, is vocabulary, increases damage when a statement is destroyed, effective during the bullet time battle. Um, so that's the rhythm game. So more damage is dealt when you're doing the stupid, stupid, stupid game. Um, <laughs> stupid, and stupid, stupid. for hero, lost in thought increases the time limit for each phase. So oh, um, fuck yeah. me, lost I need to thought. get that. Jesus that made me Christ! Laugh. How many? How many? Um, more time. How many interactions did you have with hero to get that? One. Or was this the first one? <laughs> Just straight and up. And you said that you got... Did you get one from Hina, Learned how to Patrick? be lost in thought. Yeah, I, but that's for chapter three. I'll tell you what that Not is when we get to that one. one. Oh, okay. Oh, so you haven't got it in chapter two. You didn't get the skill from Hina? Because no, her, got... her, her skill's quite late, so... Yeah, yeah okay. I got it in chapter mm. three. Okay, no worries. When I played chapter two, this is a long time ago, but I, I, had, a, I had a sat down and I thought about it. Um, I couldn't speak to... I wanted to speak to Chihiro... But the first two bits, Chihiro was unavailable. So I spoke to Hina and Kyoko one time each. Then I uh, spoke to Chihiro twice more and Hina once more. Um, so after the first, I believe in the first chapter, I had spoken to Hina three times, Junko once, Sayaka once, um, Kyoko once, and Chihiro twice. Um basically was my breakdown um so it was quite interesting when i spoke to chihiro 
the things that sort of stand out with Chihiro was, um, especially in Chihiro's uh, free time events, uh, was she made a lot of references to feeling like she couldn't help um, everyone, which was quite. Um, she wasn't strong enough. Yeah, it was. It was quite. You know, she's she she understands things without having to type things out or break it down. But she felt like her skills might not be as useful as some of the brute strength people like Sakura or Mondo. Um, so you do a lot of, you know, reaffirma- reaffirmation, I guess, um, as to what, uh, as to, you know, you are useful, you are helpful, you have a different unique set of skills. Um, mm. One of the things that I noted from Hina was the concept of toweling. I don't know if you missed that, Patrick. Oh yeah, the fucking toweling. Oh my god, I forgot about that. The, I love the that. The dry toweling, where she outright <laughs> talks about how one of the things she'll do after a swim is she'll strip down naked, stand on a balcony, and just dry herself off with a towel. Like, uh, towel treatment, it's called. Uh, sports athletes do it. But the Makoto just goes, you're willing to just stand in the nude on your balcony anyone can see you just yeah it was hey man <laughs> we don't judge we don't judge in this house you know uh, and, she, you. and she strongly talks about her love of donuts um as well throughout the entirety of her free time events the donut queen the donut queen indeed she needs to get that knot and one of the <laughs> and one the of the donut. and one of the skills that i got from Chihiro was algorithm because i spoke to her twice uh, which is increases the speed of memorizing a statement effective during the non-stop debate. Um, so yeah, that's free time all wrapped up. Now now that free time is all sort of sorted, um, we, we're just going to quickly wrap up the rest of the plot points of the chapter. The first one is uh, Chihiro after being chewed out by uh, Byakia and uh, Toko uh, was very upset. Um, however, everyone sort of reaffirms in her after she expresses that she's been going through some self-loathing about being weak and Mondo makes a promise that he's going to help her get stronger and she seems to feel really better about feeling really good after that. And then Taka and Mondo have an argument in the dining hall, which leads to Makoto being a witness to a battle where they decide to see who can last the longest in the sauna. (laughs) Mondo, fully clothed, <laughs> he's he's happy to just wear his blacker jacket, um, and Taka's fucking shredded as well. Every goddamn anime male character is just fucking, th- like, 0% body fat, fucking just all muscle boys. I remember watching that, as, like, seeing stuff like that as a teenager and being like, oh, oh my pudge, <laughs> no, please. <laughs> Uh, how could and you just do those this images me? as well. Gives him Did you guys with... notice Mondo's towel rack hair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His pompadour had a little towel over it. It was amazing. <laughs> this is so good. Oh, I love him so much. This was the this was uh, the cha- chapter in hanging out with him that you find out that his biker gang is the Crazy Diamonds, and that's just lovely as well. Yes. Yeah. Shine on you, Crazy Diamond. <laughs> Absolute fucking. Absolute fucking Legendora. Legendora, indeed. Legend. And the final thing that we get is um, right before nighttime, uh, Toko comes to your dormitory. 
and asks for you to go with her to the library to speak to Biakia. After which Biakia tells Makoto to leave and savagely tears into Toko saying, go take a shower, I can smell you from here, you reek. And and this was the point where I actually came back around on Biakia. <laughs> and Makoto says, look, Toko, you okay? And she goes into a fever about... What do you think about me and Biakia? Like, she, he obviously cares about me because he told me to take a shower. He cares about my well-being. And I just remember going, okay, you yeah. have got some fucking issues. I, I have it written down of just, holy shit, I have no idea how to unpack Toko. And I can tell you how genuine that is because I've written it in, like, very small handwriting. <laughs> just written it very slowly, like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, oh no. Yeah, what the f- what the fuck? But yeah, like genuinely um Toko has so much shit going on. Like just her her perception of reality. Her perception of reality's fucked and we'll get into that a, it a little bit as to the extent there's even of more that. going on in there. Yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> bit more going on there but also uh, oh, oh, you know? Anyway, <laughs> Let's continue. So, after that point, we get to uh, Monokuma making an emergency announcement. Everyone needs to come to the uh, the gym now. Because he's come up with a new way to motivate everyone. And he's decided that the next moment, uh, the next uh, motive, sorry, is embarrassing memories and secrets. As long as you're alive, it's a given that there's things you don't want other people to know about you. Uh, and you get Makoto's, which is... Quite tame. Uh, Makoto wet the bed until he was in the fifth grade. Which is embarrassing. Yeah. Is there really a reason to kill someone though? Like, Yeah, like, honestly, (laughs) uh, it's probably... No. No. (laughs) It's definitely not. (laughs) Taka... Taka decides to tell everyone, you know, we should just... We should just tell everyone each of our secrets, but... No one, no one takes the bullet there. Some pe- and Byakuya makes up a point like there's no need to discuss it. Some people have, some some people have deeper, darker secrets compared to everyone else, and mm. um, it's you know it's it's quite stood out there. The next the next morning, Makoto wakes up to Monokuma standing over him saying good morning, uh, and he's he's terrified, and Monokuma says you know. I wanted to spice things up. Instead of a school announcement, I decided to wake you all up in person. Because it's fun. And as long as I'm here, I might as well tell you right from the bear's mouth. Are you sure you should really be acting this laid back? Even though something happened last night to one of your classmates. And... Dun, dun, dun! It's like, uh-oh. Your face is all blue like something on the ver- someone on the verge of death. And Makoto freaks out, goes to the dining hall. The only people that are in the dining hall are Sakura, Hina, Hiro, and Byakuya. So, you know they're okay, but everyone else is missing. Um, by the looks of things. And it's, yeah, it's quite distressing. Um, you decide to look around the school. And eventually you make your way to the pool and Byakuya is there and he says, let's go look at the pool. Uh, Monokuma announces, for this investigation, all the doors have been unlocked unlocked to everywhere. 
and look around for your hearts to your heart's content. And immediately I thought, all the doors are unlocked. The only door that was locked, apart from the dormitories, was the opposing gender's locker room. And we're already standing outside them, so I know we're about to we're about to to see someone dead. Yeah. And Biakia immediately says, judging from what he said, there's no doubt a murder's taken place. He immediately says, This these locker rooms, they're very suspicious, wouldn't you agree? It seems nobody's searched and let's start with the girls' locker room. And the music fades out. The music's different to the first time. It's actually, you know, subdued. You you, you can tell that you're about to see something though because the grain starts on the screen. I don't know if you've noticed, mm. but you, you can see the grain start to come up. Yeah. And after a while, two of the barbell racks drop down. On the, on the wall, you see bloodlust written in blood. And then you see a crucified body drop down and it is dear old Chihiro. This was, yeah, it was heartbreaking. I was so upset that Chihiro had been She's been benoit with the best of them oh. and there's just no way to go. <laughs> I saw it and I was just instantly like, oh, they did it! Got it with the Bowflex! Somebody did it! It's, oh, <laughs> Got it was, way it too was, excited. It was it was brutal to see, to see this. And I think the thing that really sh- like shocked me when I saw it was you see just this one trickle of blood that ran all the way down her legs and started dripping onto the floor. And it's... Yeah. It, it was very unsettling and very upsetting. Um, uh, because of the way that they drew her and because of the way that they drew her face in that, um, in that picture, I uh, thought that her eyes had been gouged out as part of the killing <laughs> and I was just like Jesus fucking so in Christ the, like what was the in the scene in the anime in the animated version of this game when you when they do this reveal um immediately Makoto screams and falls over like he does in the game and screams you know it's Fujisaki Byakuya walks up to like the crucified corpse and you can visibly see the eyes like open wide as she's like dangling there, it's oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. I was so mad. This is why I screamed to no, know. By the way, one of it literally like that the scene plays out, drop the and then Chihiro drops in right at the end because the thing is she drops in right at the end, so like they leave the suspense into the last moment and then as soon as she dropped in, I went no and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you basically lost the friend lottery. Like the game is a the I game did. is a friendship because that was one of the two people that I invested so much friend. time in, and I had yeah. already been burned by losing Junko and Sayaka in the first chapter, and then I lost not so much Leon. Chihiro. I only mm. had Hina as someone who I had put significant <laughs> amount of time into. My only friend is the sportswoman. <laughs> <laughs> the best goddamn sportswoman in after anything. a while I'd one of the missing, find a better one <laughs> after a while one of the missing people Taka walks around and it's quite funny because he goes hey I heard screaming did something <laughs> <laughs> I really liked that that was really good <laughs> it, was, it was perfect it was perfect just more people um walking need the game needs more people walking into rooms and then just witnessing death and yelling. Um, it's actually, we actually learned something new this time when Taco arrives because 
a bell sounds and Monokuma comes on the monitor and says a body has been discovered. Everyone, we after a certain amount of time to investigate the class trial with, will begin. And we were unconscious the first time that a body showed up. And Byakuya explains, you are unconscious during Sayaka's, so you don't know about it. What you just heard was the body discovery announcement. When three or more people discover a body, an announcement plays to let everyone know. I imagine it's so that the search for the culprit can proceed fairly for everyone involved. So Monokuma is very stickler to the rules. He doesn't want anyone to have an unfair advantage in this game. That is also very interesting, and I hope it comes up um, more later throughout the game, of, like, somebody coming in... Yeah, but somebody coming in and then being ostensibly... Maybe, like, Makoto being ostensibly the first person to discover the body, or Makoto not discovering it all, and then that announcement coming over the speakers. That'll be full. That'll be cool. That'll be fun if that happens. It would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, Taka goes and runs off and gets everyone. Everyone's freaking the fuck out. Um, and then oh, investigation... that's a dead body! It's uh, um, and everyone decides to everyone decides to uh, to start investigation after a little while. Obviously, it starts to kick in. But Biakia once again references the murderous fiend who kills again and again using a bizarre and brutal method. At the scene of each crime, the word bloodlust is written in the victim's own blood. They're like a ghost attacking suddenly, then slipping away before the police can catch up to them, and what nickname did the internet give to this mysterious serial killer, Jared? Genocide Jack. Yeah, exactly, that's what Hero says, except he says it more like, GENOCIDE JACK! Um, <laughs> after a while, they discuss Genocide Jack for a little bit, and Toko walks into the room, sees the body, and passes out. She faints. And then after a little while, um, someone mentions that, oh, she passes out whenever she sees blood. It's like, oh, mm. so she's hemophobic, is what Celeste brings up. But then after a while, she shoots up, and she's got this weird sprite where her eyes are half closed and her tongue is mildly dangling, dangling out. And she, and all of a sudden, she starts talking, and then her stutter's gone. And I just looked at it and went, whoa, what the fuck's going on here? She's like, I was just so shocked, you know? Whoa, is that a dead body? Hey, are you dead? <laughs> the world has a front and a back, a top inning and a bottom, a sea of truth and a web of lies. And then she bolts. And it's like, uh, has she been driven to the loony bin? Like, what's going on here? Oh, I, I was just instantly, I was just like, oh, she activated tongue mode. And <laughs> this is like... <laughs> Instantly upon seeing that, I'm like, oh, okay. Tongue no, she- mode activate! <laughs> yeah. Also, just like, okay, she's Genocide Jack, though. Like, that's it. That That's what this is. Like, just, I thought the writing was so clear on the wall from that point. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. It just, bloodlust. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. But also, just like, <laughs> the fact that she was acting like that, I just literally wrote it in my notes at that point. I'm like, also, she's, she's clearly Genocide Jack. That's just what the twist is going to be for this. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> the twist. Yeah the, yeah, yeah, the twist. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just for one yeah. twist. 
The just one. Well, I mean, I did. I did literally think that that would just be the one twist. I've, I've, I've got to say, I've like underestimated this game at, at a few points already in it, and have been very surprised, very pleasantly, when it's just come back and been like, no, actually, we we were a bit, we're, we're better than that. And here's a here's yeah, a third and fourth layer on what you were already thinking. Fuck you. <laughs> Dumb. All right. Stupid. Yeah, dumb, <laughs> dumb bitch boy. Stupid, dumb. stupid, stupid, stupid! Exactly. <laughs> Alright, so, investigation. Um, what do you guys have down as some major notes for investigation? Jared, well, I'll start with you. Mm. Um, oh, the things that he started saying about the e-handbooks. That was right. an interesting point through the investigation. Yeah, so the, the e new rule about loaning it out. Yeah, you can't loan out the, 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 the e-handbook. Uh, I believe it's Hafumi finds, um, oh, Hero, sorry, mm. finds the deceased students' handbooks in the mailbox in the uh, entrance hall, but Leon's is not yeah. turning on, mm. is what it's he broke. mentions. It's broken. Can't use it. Um, what about you, Patrick? Do you Was have it Hafumi or? that found Chihiro's e-handbook? Well, Chihiro's e-handbook was on, missing. I think is what was told yeah. is that it's no longer missing like oh well that's no longer present we can't find it um which yeah. is quite a strange occurrence wasn't on the body yeah do you have any other notes for the investigation um i didn't write any much down like in terms of formal sense but just like uh, as the investigation was progressing i thought one of the most interesting points was like Biakia being like, hey, c come into the library for a moment. Let's have a chat. And then just guiding you into the back room where all of the fucking secret government files are. <laughs> and then just being like, ah, oh, yes, okay, so let's start talking about the secret government world, uh, fucking third world order bullshit. Like, just doing a really, um, doing a, what, what was like a pretty interesting, um, and, you know, for once, like, I, I, I once again find myself like, having an agreement with the, in agreement with Byakuya as a character of just him being like the world's not as like cut and dry as you would think it is weird shit happens consistently and the idea of normality is like a spook effectively on on a conceptual level and that was like as as he was going through that little thing with Makoto I was like okay so this like think I'm starting to get what the game's going for maybe just a little bit in terms of like um I think that there's an underlying message that's coming up a bit of, like, defying sort of societal perceptions and conventions of normality. And I don't know where that's going, but I think that that's the trend. Um, apart from that, though, I thought it was interesting how Byakuya, up until this point, had been completely insufferably on his own, but now was just very willing to help at every step of the way. And I couldn't quite pin at that point whether it was because he was outwardly trying to manipulate the way that the case progressed, or if it was because he wanted to take credit, um, in a like sort of social sense, for being able to find the killer, or if he had actually just been fooled. And I couldn't quite figure which one of the three it was, yeah. but I I had a I had an inkling that I was just like he's. He's not thought the whole way through this. And then when we get to the trial, we see the extent of that. Yeah, and it's quite interesting as well that um, 
in this instance that, like you mentioned earlier, he might be trying to paint a bigger target on his back by being prominent in the investigation. You you mentioned, you know, maybe he's trying to draw, <laughs> draw attention to himself. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting that Biakia decides to tag along with you through this and you spend a lot of time breaking through the archive and reading through the, gen- the Genocide Jack uh, case file. Mm. Um, and during this time, Toko also has a nervous breakdown, refuses to leave her room, um, won't speak to anyone except for Biakia, and then says something weird, which is, I, I was unable to keep our pro- promise, but I will not let Genocide Jack have any control anymore, which was quite strange. Mm. Um, but yeah, we go into the investigation. Uh, now, before we go into the trial and start breaking it down, who did you guys think had done it before the trial started? I thought it was Biakia because of the way that he was trying to direct how everything was progressing. I was like, okay, so like clearly what he's done is implicated. Um, at the time, I thought like clearly he's implicated Genocide Jack in this. And, and if I'm correct about Genocide Jack being Toko, then he's implicating her and he's been building this up so that he can implicate her. So as all evidence at the moment points, it's probably him because he's just taken advantage of the opportunity. Plus that checked out in my mind with like, I was convinced from the investigation that the murder had, t- had taken place in the boys' locker room just because of all of the clues that come up to indicate that that was the case. So I was already operating off that assumption. So I thought that Byakuya had walked in while Chihiro was exercising, killed them, and then strung them up. Um, and moved all of the stuff over. Um, turns out that I got the wrong person, but I pretty much got every other part of it down. <laughs> what about you, Jared? Yeah, I was about two twists behind the curve. <laughs> I thought it was Toka. Ah. Okay, so I was like, yeah, it, was it still feels a little hand-holdy with all of the investigation right now. Just like, I was being pulled around by Byakia looking at all these different things, I'm like, okay, I see where you're sort of leading me right now. This has got to be it. But, little did I know. Uh, little did I tried to know. Anticip- I tried to anticipate the twist, and I got fucking swerved on again. <laughs> I, I will say that um, when I was playing the games, I actually did... I think one of the things that helped me to immerse myself was I never really tried to predict who the killer was. I just sort of played it, and then as the trial progresses, when I would say, okay, I think it's this person. I never, in throughout the entirety of chap of the first game, not once did I get a, like, did I say for certain that I knew who it was, like, from the mm. beginning of the trial. And it was quite interesting to, um, well, other than the first trial. The first trial, I thought, yeah, that person's probably done it. Um, because, you know, it was quite obvious. Um, but yeah, we head into the trial and the first thing that we discuss is, um, you know, sort of the murder weapon and the instances. Fucking Yasuhiro. I bet it was an iron pipe. It's like, you fucking moron. There's a bloody dumbbell on the floor. You fucking imbecile. There are so many fucking moments where like, and I get it because not everybody else has done the investiga- the investigation work. Like that's why they come up with this like harebrained bullshit. But there's so many moments in the trial where they just say stuff that you're like, it's, it's like the the it's just a fundamental part of the crime scene. Did you look? 
Like, with the bloody dumbbell, or, like, just even other small stuff with, like, exactly how Chiro Chihiro was died, like, what she was strung up by, anything like that. It's like, did you look for... Did you look for five seconds? Did you walk in the room, and did you open your eyes? No? Fuck off, then. Get Leave the room, or shut up. <laughs> the moments yes. when you want those truth bullets to be real bullets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna dangan this fucking romper. You get down on the ground. <laughs> what is a dangan romper? A dangan romper is. I got a new favorite no, quote. No, no. I'm gonna dangan this fucking romper. Love it. Absolutely love it. Love, I I am um, Jared. I actually got the meaning of it, and that was the the reason why I said I'm gonna dangan this romper is because I'm gonna bullet this refutation. That's what it means. It's Danganronpa's <laughs> bullet refutation as one oh my God. fucking word. See how much? Oh. See how many layers I put in the joke? <laughs> it's like this case I'm twisting and turning all over the place. Comedy fucking gold here. Oh, goodness. When do we get the sponsorships? <laughs> <laughs> so... Sending this clip to, like, sending this clip to, like, fucking Raid Shadow Legends and being like, please, give me money. Casper uh, <laughs> Mattresses, hit us up. Yeah, Casper. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, I actually think they might be bankrupt now. I, I don't... I need to cross-check that. Anyway. run the ad. Yeah, no, still, hit, hit us up. This is a tech company. They just Buy print Casper Mattresses. mattresses. <laughs> so... I love it. So after literally no time at all, Byakia immediately says... The killer in this case is the serial killer genocide Jack, and it's Toko Fukawa. And Toko, you know, sort of has a bit of a, a breakdown. Now, the Hangman Gambit. Something oh. that, uh... Look, not the best term to use, if I'm being honest. Maybe lost in translation. <laughs> Maybe. Jerry, do you want to sort of explain Maybe what, a 10-year-old game as well. <laughs> yeah, so it was like... A six-letter word, okay? And it's got a H and an I as the middle two letters. And I'm thinking, like, what word has been used in this case that could be, like, an answer to what they were hinting at? And they were talking about uh, Genocide Jack being Toko. And it's like, okay, there's, like, uh, what was the actual... Dissociative Personality Disorder. Yeah, DPD. Like, there's not really... Yeah, that's the sort of thing they're going for, but that's not a six-letter word, so, like, ugh. And I thought, like, it looks almost like Asahina, so, like, Hina's account maybe they're asking about, but, like, that was... I was pulling at straws there. I, I literally did the same short. thing. I did the exact mm. same thing as that, but, yeah, keep going. Yeah, and so I got to a point where I just had to start guessing letters, and then I, I get the S straight up, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then I'm like, there's an S space H. And I'm like, maybe that's a C, sure. And then it's ski. I'm like, oh, what's this? And then, and then I get the fifth letter guessed. I guess that it's a Z. And then it's like, oh, oh no, they they did it. They've gone done it, didn't they? <laughs> oh no, this has become a slur in the time since this game came out. <laughs> Just like whoop whoops, all slurs. It's discussed that, sh that they have Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID, which is a disorder where s it's basically having split personalities. And, you know, the argument that they make is that her behaviour changed after she passed out. 
and you know after a while you know all of her actions seem to sort of make sense but no one believes it until you know Toko sort of goes how could you tell them I told you in confidence because you said you'd go out with me and he's like I said I would never I never said I would do that sort of thing and um <laughs> dumb bitch and then after a while Biakia just keeps doing? pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and then he says we want to hear from the person directly and well uh you know the there's a it goes black and then you know it says that she she came back to life and then there's a gradual like you know shot where it starts moving up like the podium and you see the dress and then there's this zoom in on her face and she's got these red eyes and this massive red tongue like hang tongue on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. i'm gonna send a uh <laughs> a, a gif to you guys in the chat hang on oh boy this gif that's when your girl asks if you eat the puss you get that <laughs> Alternatively, Tongue your man asks if you, if you eat ass. So, um, you get in it. That's that's my reaction. That's my so expression anyway, every goddamn time. I've just sent a gif to these two boys of the of the image, and uh, oh boy, it's oh it it I I was playing in the dark at like eleven o'clock at night, and then when it cuts, I literally went ah! like I was shocked. Like it's it startled me because just of the way that it was presented, um, and the all of a sudden she's just this completely different person, and she's severely perverted, and she's got this weird long tongue, and the voice has gone up so many octaves, like it's like oh well, it's glad you see it. I was like oh shit. The, the the freakiest thing about all of it though is the fucking laugh. That laugh terrifies me. <laughs> that, yeah! This is like, oh, I, get the fuck out of here. Oh. Oh. I'm so sad <laughs> to hear that. that. I adore her. I think Genocide Jill's the fucking best. Oh, no, There's she's no hilarious. hilarious. Character. She's hilarious. Yeah, it's just like, the she voice, just dropped a perfect character. <laughs> the, the, voice, the voice actor in the anime, I feel, is better. It's not as high-pitched and it's... And the way that she acts in the anime is hilarious. She She's the funniest part of the animated version. Um, she says, I'm the ultimate murderous fiend, Genocide Jack, or better yet, let's go with Genocide Jill. And then it does an introduction. Uh, everyone's shocked. Um, I prefer the <laughs> anime slash ultimate Japanese translation, fiend. which is the ultimate murderous fiend, Genocider Show. That is mm. so much cooler than Jack Jill. Like... Show is such an awesome name for a serial killer. I know that sounds weird, I'm, but it I'm is. assuming that it's. I'm assuming that it's a like it's a gender neutral name, and that's probably why. Yeah. Mm. But using why didn't they just use genocide Jesse? Like you could have actually <laughs> gone with that, and that would have worked. For no, English. but like Jack and Jill. Yeah, but like that's they lame. went up the hill. <laughs> One of the things that's weird about genocide. Well, genocide a show throughout the entirety of this game in the English translation is they bounce back and forth between genocide Jack and genocide Jill, and it's really you know mm. it just yeah it's it's very disorientating. Um, it, I found a really funny moment where she's like going on like this tirade with like this you know 
crazy maniacal face and then Afumi's like can I ask you a question and she instantly just goes what's up and she's just got this smile like closed <laughs> smile but her tongue's still dangling out even though her mouth's closed she's like what's up yeah and it's just oh it's hilarious <laughs> love she's, her and love they're her like bit. some of us think you might be the mastermind she's like well I tell you I'm the mastermind of all masterminds just kidding and it's just like uh what the <laughs> She's <laughs> uh, playing. She, um, I uh, had another be- twist in there. I know. Oh yeah. Eventually, Biakia <laughs> says, you know, her, you know, Toko's embarrassing secret was that she was a serial killer. So she had twenty four hours to make sure that that side of herself was never exposed. And it's like, really? So embarrassing. Uh, that's a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. Um, but. You know, after a while, you know, Makoto sort of thinks to himself, this doesn't really seem right. And mm. eventually, you know, you know, Genocide of Jack's like, this makes no sense. I'm not the killer. Doesn't fit, you know, I don't need an alibi. I, it doesn't fit my motive. It doesn't fit my modus operandi. And it's like... Or, or very specifically, how dare you say to me that I would even think for a second to not string this body up with scissors. First of all, fuck you. Second of all... <laughs> like, I love the, um... The forthrightness of the character is what amateur. makes her so endearing. Like, the I, I just love that she keeps using Italian cooking metaphors for killing people and <laughs> fucking call... Yeah. She calls Makoto Big Mac and yeah, just Big Mac. instantly... Yeah. Big Mac. Big Mac. Yeah, Big Mac. She's like, um... In the recipe of murder, if the bloody message is the tortellini, then the arrangement of the body would be the pesto sauce. What <laughs> 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 fucking what are you talking about? I love yeah. you. What are you doing? Sure. Insane. Uh, I I completely agree. <laughs> she's this like, man she's, using she, yeah. Tube she's sauce. like the quote you is and 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 you know what else? Big Mac said there's two differences, but he's wrong, and he's like, Big Big Mac. Are you referring to me? <laughs> <laughs> Big like, Mac there's a pattern, the first there's a pattern nickname the this average it... boy has got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's his first nickname. It's his first like solid um did a characterization. Tell you what, what I don't an average nickname though, right? <laughs> no, it fucking rules. Big Mac. He's so little that Big calling Mac. him Big Mac is like a cool thing because he's like, oh, is he like a burger? Is he a Mac truck? Who knows? It's <laughs> we a mystery. get it. It's like calling you're Sucker a Big a Mac. Tiny. <laughs> we get it. You're big. He's bi- his name's Big Mac because he's got a big dick. That would have worked. But be- hang on, no, wait. I can do a better one. I can do a better one. Give me a second. His name's Big Mac because he's got a big sack. There we go. That's the actual. Joke. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, That's the one. You're still talking Ship about. It. You're still talking about sixteen-year-olds, Patrick. Don't remind me. <laughs> it's a, it's a fictional character. Back. It doesn't count. It's a goddamn drawing. <laughs> Do they really have human rights anymore? <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Fuck that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Why didn't we think about this before doing this podcast? This entire concept is so loaded. Why am I on this? You knew I was just going to incriminate myself. <laughs> so, That's Taka, the point. You know, after, after <laughs> Genocide of Jack just pretty much passionately says, I wouldn't have killed Chihiro because she was a girl, you know... She's like, would an Italian chef suddenly start making ramen just because they're both noodles? Don't be stupid. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> the she's just so 
I'm obsessed with Italian cuisine. Is Biakio's like it's a different matter entirely when you're forced to kill in order to survive, and he's like, "Quiet, lonely cur," and he's like, "Lonely cur," like it was just so confusing but in the anime it's funny he's like this doesn't make sense of course you did and she's like shut up ass face and he goes ass face like he looks completely shocked it's hilarious this is why i love her because she also tells him to get fucked when we get when like we, when we get to yeah. the end cut this by the way when we get to the end of this i'm gonna get that clip from the anime for you okay, okay <laughs> so good. you can see it it's hilarious <laughs> yes please oh yeah Alright, um, let's move on from the Genocide of Jack reveal. Uh, obviously, you know, she's a, she said, look, I would never leave out my prized scissors. It brings up an awesome image where this, oh, so good in terms of artwork. It says, dun dun, in the background in red. And she's standing uh, in, a, in a fashion and moves her arms in like a clock rotation with scissors in her hands. Uh, and it's just hilarious. And she's like... She's like, why would I resort to dumbbells or when I have my trusty scissors by my side? And she's like, not to mention I don't know how to tie a good knot. Um, so, rope's totally out of the question anyway. Um, but she's got these scissors. And it's really funny because in the anime, she's like, she's like, um, I've got more of them if anyone wants to go dumpster diving. And it's like, mm, okay. <laughs> right. Where are you hiding these scissors then? Um but I think another um, another interesting thing across all of this is that, and I'm pretty sure it's at this point that it's brought up, um, that Chihiro shouldn't have been killed by Genocide Jack because Chihiro was a girl, and Genocide Jack only targets men. An interesting little and young young boys. Yeah. Young well, men. specifically, yeah, like handsome young, young men. men yeah. Like well, well, no, men, it, up to men. I think one of the victims is in their thirties. Yeah. So. But still, specifically. Men. Yeah. Specifically men. So and specifically like a, I think it's like specifically, a certain type of guy as well. If I remember correctly, I think they like need to be within like a specific height range. Some like she does. She sets out a qualifier that I don't remember. It's art. But yes. Italian, it's tortellini pesto, and then we that's what this and is. then we get a recess I on the trial. The too. the implication from what is discovered in the um, trial is mm. that the people that she kills are men that she is attracted to. Mm. That's yeah. what the 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 supposed uh, qualifier is. It's men mm. that she's that she becomes obsessed with, um, <laughs> and that she finds attractive. No wonder I no wonder I like her. She's gonna <laughs> kill Biakia for me. <laughs> um, so, after a while, Makoto puts it together and goes, well, this doesn't match, but the only person who could have known about all this information is Biakia. And that's when the, sh- the, the blame shifts to Biakia. Um, and that's when they start talking about, you know, the rope that was used to string up Chihiro is the extension cord from the library that you were using for the lamp when you were reading. Um... Mm. And, you Not know, a Biakia is right now, you know, um, he kept call- they're, they're all saying like, you know, he kept calling it a game. He's like, the thing though that Makoto notices though is like, well, you said that she was killed in the girls locker room, but are we sure that that's where it took place? He's like, well, 
why she was found dead in the girls' locker room. How could the scene of the crime be anywhere else? And it's not, an, and you know, it's sort of like, well, it sort of points out, you know, the posters have been switched. Like, why would the girls have a swimsuit model poster and the boys have a boy band poster? And you know, Sakura mentioned that she dropped protein coffee on the on the rug, but that's gone now. And when I went to the boys' locker room, it was there. So it feels like the the rooms have been switched. Um, in that instance. And after the conversation continues, you know, if the murder took place in the boys' locker room, how did Chihiro get in there? You have to swipe your e-handbook to get in. And it's like, well, no, she did have a way she could have used Leon's. It's like, well, no, she couldn't use Leon's because it was broken. And at this point, I was frazzled. I had no fucking clue who did it. Because it's like, well, anyone could have done it if it's in the girls' locker room. But how did your hero get in the boys' locker room? Like, I knew, obviously, the, the, the scenes have been switched. So it mm. happened in the boys' locker room. But how the fuck did your hero get in there? Because, like, you know, it just made no sense at that point. As uh, I alluded to earlier, I had actually managed to guess this contingent bit. <laughs> I didn't get it. I honestly didn't get it. I, it flew over my fucking head. But then, but then Kyoko says, we should have a recess and we should go back and have a look at the scene again. And they go back to the scene and Kyoko gets Sakura to have a look uh, at the corpse again. Have a close Sakura, look at the corpse. Sakura's like, the, I'm going to try and map out this Search reaction. She's like, she's like, uh, you know, what's this? What is this? <laughs> is like the reaction, the primal reaction of Sakura. Make sure to tone that scream down and edit <laughs> Oh, don't worry, I do. Um, <laughs> good. I, I toned them all down in editing. Um, good, good. Jesus, I peaked my audio so fucking frequently. it's revealed that Chihiro was actually a boy. Cross-dressing. Yeah. Mm. Or, now, at this point, yeah. I was wondering, <laughs> why didn't Kyoko just enter this as evidence, rather than putting Sakura through that? <laughs> I don't know. Feeling <laughs> up the manhood of the corpse. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, I, I was also of the same perspective of, like, somebody... Uh, Kyoko's already figured this out. Like, <laughs> we've... There is, like, only a couple of ways to do this. So, if somebody already knew, just... Just follow through and, like... Say do, it. Yeah, exactly. Just mm. do the nice thing and don't subject somebody else to feeling up a mm. fucking corpse? Mm. What is wrong with you? And the murderer you? can I... stand up for you as well. It's yeah, 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 I, I knew think... that too. I think that the we I think what Kyoko's intention was is you need to pay attention to detail. You need to actually properly mm. investigate. It's fucked up in the way she's done it, but you know, she doesn't seem like you the most open person anyway. She's not mm. the most open person. She's not someone who gives out a lot of details. So um She's trying to teach She would have just said you should pay attention to detail, I think. The if um, we're gonna be teacher, real like uh, oh <laughs> if we're going to be real about this um about this trial there's a lot of what is going on with um Chi Chie Chie I I don't know why I've instantly forgotten her name sorry Chihiro. but I'm Chihiro there's a lot of going on with Chihiro that is just really fucking weird and I don't mean that from an in like 
in-universe perspective. I mean it from like a, you're sitting here and writing this perspective of like, mm. one, this story is like, uh, actually, wait, no, I'll uh, cut this. I'll hold off on this until we actually wrap and then I'll talk about this because it's more like about the, yeah, because it's about yeah. the like misogyny and like transphobia that kind of underpins this, which is just really weird. Okay. Yeah. First thing first, Mr. Jared, before we move on and get into the, you know, actual solving of the murder and what's taken place, what were your reactions to this reveal? I was like, oh, that, like, things have fallen into place. It didn't really, like, I was trying to piece things together. It did sort of, like, it was just like, oh, okay, this is the new information, let's go. New information. Yeah. Like, but oh, even okay. after the reveal, there's like some people still calling Chihiro she, others calling him he, and yeah. yeah it's, um, did you did you think did you predict that was the case before it was revealed or? Um, there was part of me that was like that would make more sense because I can't like it's either that or there's some other way that they figured out how to get into the room. With, like, the loaning handbooks bullshit. Like, if you steal a handbook from someone, is that still legal? Like, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I had a similar sentiment where I was like, okay, so it's either that Chihiro has a penis and is therefore assigned a male handbook, or alternatively... Um, I'm saying that because I don't want to, like... I feel like the gendering of the character in this part is weird. Like... weird from the source material um and like just given some degree of separation of like a decade between like the game's actual writing release and like now us playing it um it like this entire storyline is strange for reasons that i'll get into when after we wrap but like considering that like chihiro has been ascribed a male identity handbook um the only other alternative was that Chihiro had somehow fucked her own handbook and then um, had swapped it out for Leon's instead or like done that as like an intentional sort of thing and so it was either going to be that or like but then it was determined that oh she, she can't have possibly like hacked it or cracked it like to break it um, that there's only one way to break it so, uh, yeah, so after after this happens, it's like, okay, well, we've established it took place in the boys' locker room. The girls couldn't have gotten into the boys' locker room, so it has to be a male. And based on the information that's loaded out throughout the trial, we know it's not ourselves, Makoto, and we know it's not Byakia. Um, so the only people, and, you know, Chihiro's dead. So the only people that it could have been at this point were Hiro, Mondo, Taka, and Hifumi. I thought, well, Taka's the ultimate moral compass, so there should be no reason why he would kill anyone. Logically. At the same time, why would Hifumi go to the gym? Like, he wouldn't work out <laughs> at all. And... He would lose his status. Hero seems a, like... That's the ultimate Hero round. was a little bit of a stretch. You know, it's like, mm. it's possible he could have done it, but I don't really see that as being his character. He's a bit stupid and a bit lazy. So at this point, you know, I sort of thought there's only really one person that could have done it. Who's the person that's most likely to go work out when they're stressed about a secret being revealed? And that was Sakura. Talhead himself. 
unfortunately. <laughs> and My, uh, retracting uh, thereof the comment earlier that uh, he's the best is not the best anymore. He's not best. He's not <laughs> no. best boy anymore. In he's in not Mr. best boy anymore. Patrick's eyes. You um, can't be a best boy and a killer. That's just not how it works. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, even with a pompadour, un- Mr. Pompadour has there. left the building. Unfortunately, even with the crazy diamonds. Um, it's it's determined after a little while that you know, the person who ended up killing Chihiro was Mondo. The way that it is discovered is by uh, by just by luck, from what it seems like. You know, um, it was a slip of the tongue. He dug his own grave. Um, Celeste mentioned seeing Chihiro with a blue tracksuit heading to the uh, the boys or to the locker rooms to go work out um, and or to the gym. And, or specifically, um, she mentions that Chihiro had a track, or it was a tracksuit bag, but she doesn't mention the color of it. And then Mondo no, points it, out the color of it. Mondo points it? out the color exactly. Yeah, and it's like, well, he says, well, so what you're saying is the killer was wearing the same blue tracksuit as him, but my tracksuit is black. Um, and it's like, well, you're wrong there, buddy. No one said the tracksuit just, was blue. You Mondo. dug your own grave because yeah. you didn't think about what you were saying. And eventually, not after that a while, smart, so not a lot of brain. The e- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it's all fluid. It's actually part of his skull, but it's all liquid. <laughs> so after a while, uh, Genocide Jack decides to start calling Chihiro Cherry. At this point, um, it's like the only reason he could have known what color the tracksuit is was if he saw Cherry with it before he died. It's like, uh, yeah. That's true, exactly. And after a, after a long discussion, you know, Taka can't believe it. He's defending Mondo as much as possible, but eventually it's discovered when he did the the sauna, the sauna contest with Taka, he disco- he broke his handbook. Um, the Monokuma reveals that the handbooks break when subjected to extreme heat, and when they were in the sauna, he was fully clothed. So he had his handbook on him. He accidentally broke his handbook. What he actually did was basically how it happened was in a, he killed Chihiro, swapped the rooms to try and preserve Chihiro's, uh, identity. Um, as you know, what, what people perceived him as already. Then he threw Chihiro's handbook into the sauna to break, turned it on. So it broke. And then he went and swapped his handbook with Leon's. And the handbook that's broken was actually Mondo's. So, you know, it was quite a... For something that happened, like, on the spot, it wasn't perfect. But he did have some ingenious ways to try and protect Chihiro, even though he had killed Chihiro. Um, mm. And then Byakia was the one who strung up Chihiro to make it look like Genocide Jack for reasons i guess which we'll get into in a little bit but yeah after a while (laughs) you do the bullet time battle against mondo uh against taka and then mondo just says look let's just get this over with i did it and after the trial Mm. the first the first part of after the trial is trying to find out why mondo did it and as it turns out it was a murder that was committed in rage because uh chihiro secret was that Shihiro was actually a boy and all throughout the the this chapter he's been talking about wanting to get stronger he wanted to get physically stronger and he turned to Mondo because Mondo made the promise that he would protect uh Chihiro 
Mondo was the one who he trusted to help him get stronger. So he actually revealed his secret to Mondo. And Mondo was jealous because he couldn't get past his secret, which was that he was responsible for his brother's death. And in a, in a fit of rage, I don't understand why, it's stupid, but in a fit of rage, he smashed Chihiro with a dumbbell. And it makes no sense as to why it happened, but it did. Um, it's because Chihiro's like, already so, already strong, so strong mentally. Mm. And Mondo's like, you're already stronger than me. How could this yeah, be? Yeah, it's the strength of character. Uh, he <laughs> sees the strength of character as a reflection of his own weakness and effectively, like, out of self-loathing, lashes out violently, but, like, does it in such a massively destructive way. Which is, like, that's a very, that's a very like, normal reaction. If you kind of compare it to... Well, I don't mean, like, killing somebody, but I mean, like... They, well, actually, yeah, kind of. Not in the sense of, like, a normal person would... It, well, and not in the sense of, like, it's standard behaviour to kill people, but if you look at the reasoning behind a lot of violent crime, and you look at the, like, sort of criminology behind, like, crimes of passion particularly, personal inf- inferiority complexes, like, come up in that, you know? So it's not exactly, like, out of the realm of something that's even, like, passingly realistic. If anything, it's it's, it's probably... Like, it's pretty far up there, and it also shows that Mondo, whilst trying to get away with the crime and not, like, confessing outwardly to it um, from the get-go, was also, on some level, like, regretful for his actions and had some degree of remorse. If you compare that to, say, Leon from the first case, Leon comes up significantly short in that regard because not only did he get attacked, and then defend himself, but then successfully defend himself. As Celeste points out, he then goes back to his own room and comes back in to finish the job. There was no reason to commit to there. He just did it out of probably, like, at one level, flash-in-the-pan anger, sure, but it takes a level of premeditation to think about, oh, I need to go and get my toolbox, I need to break through this lock, and then I need to finish off um, Sayaka. Exactly, whereas this reaction from Mondo is literally, I am doing dumbbell curls, you have pissed me off, I smack you with dumbbell, oh, and you're dead, oh, fuck, oh, ah, shit. shit, oh, piece no, of no. Shit. yeah, looking at himself in, in the, the mirror, mi- looking at himself in the mirror <laughs> going, <laughs> piece of shit, god, <laughs> yeah, like, he, um, oh. uh, it, it was very, um, real and sad in a, in a kind of, like, Sad in a way that the first case isn't. The first case feels like you're bringing somebody to justice. The second case feels like this just this just shouldn't have happened. And if you were more okay with yourself as a person, you wouldn't have done this. This like, um this, this is a tragedy. Murder, yeah, it's a tragedy. It and yeah. it's very well written in mm. terms of the stages of reveal and the motives and the actions and the reasons mm. behind it. It's actually it's quite a great this is what made me fall in love with Danganronpa was the mm. storytelling in this chapter was phenomenal. It was mm. so good. It was such a step up from the chapter prior. And, you know, after I did this, this is where I was like, I need to play all this game as quickly as possible. And then I need to get <laughs> on to the next one and the next one and the next one. And yeah. Yeah. Snowballing to making a podcast about Pretty it. much. <laughs> and yeah. now we get to a very weird execution 
where oh, Mondo <laughs> turn him into <laughs> fucking butter. What it is God called? Damn. It is called the what? <laughs> the Cage of Death. Mono, where Mondo is on a motorbike in like a metal cage, which is electrified, and he's riding around as quickly as possible, gathering speed, and he goes into sort of some sort of like Mark Twenty or something, and he's moving so quick that his body completely turns into liquid and he's turned into Mondo Butter. It's I'm, brutal. I'm gonna be... Yeah, I'm gonna be real. This took all of the weight of the actual, like, story out of it for me. Like, I... We get to this execution and I'm just like... He's... He's Butter. You've made him but The joke is that you pasteurized a man... The execution's a joke? Like, we're dealing with this incredibly weird and, like, sort of traumatic life story of one, um, young person who effectively has, like, a gender identity crisis based on the implicit misogyny of the society that they live in. And then you have this other young man who is traumatized perpetually by what is effectively an accident caused by his own, um like, sort of arrogance. Yeah, recklessness and arrogance that has deeply scarred him and has left him basically unable to really move past it to the point where he doesn't just, like, blame himself for the accident that it's caused that resulted in his brother's death. He thinks that he's murdered his brother. He sees this as, like, an intent thing. Which is an interesting callback to when Chihiro said that he was responsible for Leon's murder. Mm, saying yeah. I was the one who sent him to his death, and that's yeah. quite an interesting callback about the parallels between the two of them for making. Yeah, it's uh, the col- like they're both they're both two people who are in some in some way like founded or unfounded, deeply insecure, um, and they, are, yeah, though they articulate it in two different ways, but it's just. And then just moving from, like, that sort of the tragedy of, like, effectively what is what is also just on the subtext of it being, like, toxic masculinity gets you fucking nowhere, like, ever. Because the, the, if you're reading this as, like, it's really difficult to talk about it based on the fact that, like, if you're reading, if you take, like, a queer reading to this, just using, like, literary terminology and stuff from, like, literary theory, you take a queer reading to this story, it's fucking strange fundamentally because what what do you like what where does this go you know like you you've got this weird um sort of stepping up of like this character is this character trans are they not trans no they're not but then like what's the kind of or or it's like no they're not but also you don't have any direct confirmation from that character of that experience yeah. they've effectively been like living- you're assuming all of this after they've died yes and they get no voice in their in their gender identity or expression which up to this point they have defined oh fuck me can you hear that in the background yes okay good it stopped um alright so resume from here um up until this point like they've had basically only the only part of their voice that they've been articulating about their own gender identity and expression is that they are a woman. That is that is what their word on the matter is. They have not... Yeah. And the only expression that they get after their death is that they are now a man based on biological essentialism, like just talking about penises. Like, it, it rubs me the wrong way, but at the same time, I don't know if that's like... 
I don't know if that's a sufficient reading based on what the source material is, because then the they actually do a pretty good job of pointing out, like, kind of through the themes of the text, that, like, the entire reason that these two came into a conflict point in the first place is because they can't really reconcile with what they think it means to be a man and in the context of the society that they live in and they can't really reconcile with the nece the necessity of responsibility in the context of their gender. M for Mondo, that's like articulated through his entire persona as like a toxic, a, a literally toxic man in the fact that he's like a criminal um, and a violent person and like a biker ganger who is like a symbol within the context of most societies as somebody who is just a reckless sort of abusive person and then Chihiro who is so wrapped up in the idea of what it properly means to be a man that they choose to actively uh, like just go about making everybody think yeah making everybody think that they're a woman like and and doing that because in their own mind and based on their own psychology they can never live up to the standards of being a man like it's really fucking depressing and then the execution that follows that is butter. <laughs> I, the execution felt like really good. It was like the one last ride. Mm. This is like all he's getting. And then butter. Yeah. It's like the, the, the payoff should have been something different. Like, I don't know. In my mind, I thought that they were going to light the circle on fire. Because that's like a trick in like motorcycle, you know, uh, stunt tricks. Shows. Yeah, stunt shows. And instead of lighting the thing on... Instead, he just goes faster and faster and faster until he gets pasteurized? I'm like... <laughs> like, I just... Someone online um, said that a more appropriate execution, and this is quite brutal, actually, is um, to tie all, four, all five of his limbs with rope. So, wrap. this is pretty brutal. So, if you're... Mm. If you, if you don't want to hear this, maybe skip ahead a little bit um, if you're listening to this. But um, they tied rope to the wrists, ankles, and around the chin, and mm. tied it to the back of motorbikes, and then got all five of them to like roll the bikes out like as far as they can, so the ropes taut, and then five monocumas would rev as fast as possible, and he would effectively get quartered. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that that would have, like, that would have gotten the point across. Or even just doing something, even, like, keeping the exact same execution up to the point and then doing something more with the actual, like, sphere that he's riding around. I think that the, the thing is, though, like, in terms of the actual, like, bodies, they, I don't think they're allowed to show brutality for the bodies. So, like, mm. with, with Leon, his, once he was dead, done with his, um, execution, his like corpse unmoving corpse was blacked out so you couldn't mm. see the brutality and mm. I think you know I think it's a common theme that you can't really see like you can with the murders I guess but mm. like what, because that's after the fact but mm. watching it as it happens is a different thing mm. it's a different story yeah I suppose so I, I guess maybe I, I don't know because I'll I'm interested to see what the rest of them are Cause like, I was ha I had a fear. I was the Leon execution sets an expectation that these are going to get like progressively more intense, but like the Mondo one kind of brings that back down again. 
in a weird sort of way of like you've mm-hmm. kind of made you've made this into a you've made a punchline out of this which like if you're it's just a tone thing it's like a, yeah. yeah it's a tone thing um, it's just but a moving tone on thing. from that we've got a couple more things to wrap up before we start talking oh, about the chapter as a whole before we do move on yep um <laughs> the one thing we forgot to mention was the monokuma pompadour Did you oh guys yeah that? <laughs> the monokuma yeah that's good the monokuma oh, so good so strong oh, such so a powerful strong. image you sure you don't want a Monokuma uh, skin for your your Minecraft character, Jared? <laughs> oh, do you I've want a Hafumi instead? The next stream. Do you want a Hafumi? Oh, I don't think they've got a character model that round. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish that you could. I really wish that the Mondo skin came with a little like pompadour. Pompadour that, could that just stuck out in and out of stuff. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so we got two more things after the execution. Um, obviously Taka's distraught, but Kyoko asked Byakia why he did what he did. And this will probably kick off into Patrick, who's been holding in this Byakia rant for a while now. He says, I did this to spice things up because otherwise the game would be boring as I already witnessed the murder and knew that this already took place and decided to make things interesting. Plus, because of a special little someone, Makoto, I was able to figure out who to watch out for if I ever do decide to become blackened. Like, I'm I'm doing the, um... For all you listeners, I'm doing the masturbation uh, motion while Tyler's reading out Vyakuya's lines because that's <laughs> all that they scanned me as. Like, I, I pretty much said it earlier. Um, I'll just note this, that, like... I kind of came back around on his character around the time that he was basically just bullying Toko <laughs> um, and the early stages of the trial because I was kind of like, oh yeah, this actually seems like um, he's like trying to get to the bottom of all of this. After it was revealed that he wasn't the killer, I actually started to think that maybe somebody else had gotten into the research thing before and that that was what had happened. They'd found out about Genocide Jack and they'd just been lying about it and that was the direction it was going to go. And then it pretty quickly veered back off from that. And so it kind of comes back to the same problem that I noted earlier, which is just, why don't they just break his limbs? Like, straight up, this man is doing nothing but excessively painting a target on himself. He is making it clear that not only is he a threat, he's also a hindrance to everyone, including his own safety. If somebody, like, the kind of, the kind of person that this is, is somebody who that you, like, literally can't let into a room because they might light it on fire for the fuck of it. Like, that, it's that kind of thing, where they're just out, actively going out of their way to spite everyone else for no discernible reason. Why would you entertain that? Like, even for a moment. You need to... Like, even... Exactly. Like, he nearly got everyone killed. Including himself. If it wasn't for the fact that everybody else had to then waste time cleaning up after his mess, there's not really... There wasn't really any benefit to doing any of that other than letting everybody know that Genocide Jack existed. Right? He does mention during the post-trial that... um, if it got to a point where everyone suspected him, he would step in and say, this is the actual killer and then prove why and give his side of the story. And but he didn't even, he did. but he didn't get but to he didn't. because Mokoto already figured it out. 
But he didn't even figure out. Even if that's the case, I'd call that a bluff because he had, he didn't even know that the mo- that the rooms were shifted. So he wouldn't have he had the right. Saw, he saw Mondo he saw Mondo walk room. into the girls' lock, walk out of the girls' locker room. Mm. Oh, true. And then oh, he I went in there and saw the body. The body. So mm. he would have known. And that's when he, no, just, okay. wouldn't, he just wouldn't have known the about the. Je- he would have just thought, okay, Mondo somehow got into. Chihiro's probably took Say- uh, Sayaka or Junko's handbooks, went into the locker room, killed Chihiro, and then walked out. Yes, yeah, still. I don't feel like there's enough of a... I feel like that kind of person would be too much of a liability that they should just gang up on him and tie him down in a fucking room somewhere and just leave him there. Like, what do you... Or, like, just tie him up in the... Tie him up in, like... Oh, but you can't do that, can you? He'll get killed. That's the real problem. It's clicking for me now. The issue is that you can't just mutilate him because he's got to be able to get back to his room because if he falls asleep outside of it, he's going to get a fucking speared. (laughs) Yeah, but then no one's murdered him. That's true! Unless Monokuma decides whoever maimed him and prevented him from going back is the reason why he died. But then, you know, I don't know. Like, Junko, uh, when Junko died, she did everything of her own decision. But if you take choice out of Byakuya's, you know, Equation, yeah. Are you you guilty of murder? Are you not? Interesting. I can imagine that for the intents and purposes of the experiment, he would label that as a killing. And then it would be down to the classes to decide whether, like, who is actually implicated in it. Because if it's more than one person doing it... Then, who broke the last it, limb? Yeah, who broke the last limb, or is it who tied the ropes to get him to the chair, even if somebody else held him down? Like, there can only be one murderer, there can't be more than one. Um, so then you need to yeah. kind of assess what's going on there. That's... What would happen if everyone just collectively killed one student? Yeah, I was just thinking would about they that. they all become blackened? No, I think it would be literally... <laughs> all the issue would... The trial would then have to determine who dealt Which the killing blow, the killing effectively. Blow. <laughs> this is like basically a Julius Caesar problem. I killed him. No, I killed him. Yeah. It was me. Or or the reverse, Jared. I didn't kill him, you did. No, you. Ki- no, I didn't, you did. You know, like pointing fingers at each <laughs> other because they need to try and figure out who dealt the killing blow, but the person who thinks that they did doesn't want to get killed. Mm. Yeah, that's a shame. So after the chapter wraps up, everyone goes back to their room, and Monokuma, this is the scene that Jared mentioned in our group chat that he wanted to talk about a lot, so I'll get you to start discussing your your stuff here. But Monokuma is having a chat with a silhouette, and the, the conversation talks about, you know... Thank you for... Oh, hang on. I'll just get the lines here. Sorry. We'll cut this part out. There we go. Um, well, anyway, like I was saying, it's a pretty good spot. A really good spot. Isn't it amazing how that girl went and killed someone before things even had a chance to get boring? Once things really get moving, it'll be like a roller coaster. But I must admit, I'm disappointed. I went through all the pain and effort of making you part of the group and you couldn't play your part. You do remember you were supposed to make the first move, right? Well, no biggie. Nothing you can do about it now. Just do your best to make things more exciting from now on. After all, the that's what everyone wants to see. And the the 
Silhouette asked, there's one more thing I'd like to ask you. Who is the 16th student? And Monokuma just says, you took me by surprise there, but super denied, ultra denied, demonic denied. That's my ace in the hole. And no one will be dumb enough to reveal that. No matter how close they were to their friends. And it's, it's implying, one, that there is a mole in the group. And B, that the person who is masterminding all of this knows all of the students and has a relationship with them. And it's quite, it's quite a weird way to end the chapter. And you don't, obviously you don't know who it is. There's a there's 10 students remaining. Um, so obviously Mondo and Chihiro has been added to the victims list and you receive the crazy diamond present, um, as your reward. Which is just his jacket. A single tear. <laughs> a single tear. Shine on, Mondo. <laughs> so, that's the end of chapter two. Mr. Mister Jared, what are your thoughts on A, the ending scene, and B, just the chapter in general, compared to chapter one and the game so far? Like, where does it stand? How, what, what sticks out? Mm. It's real spicy now. They're getting, like, a lot more into the background information. Like, they've laid the foundation of what the game is and now it's like adding some layers on top that like each new chapter brings something new and it's just it's pulling you forward I'm really excited to get back into <laughs> playing again I got like halfway through chapter 3 after finishing 2 because I was just pulled along oh you kept oh, playing so yeah a little bit hey I did the same thing we'll after finishing chapter two as episode. well. It, it drags you on. What about you, Patrick? How did it stand out to you? Oh, yeah, no, I thought that this was all pretty good. I liked the, um, in spite of all of the sort of weirdness of the, like, themes being addressed in the writing and how I think that they could have probably, like, I'd, like I, I have weird feelings about all of that, but in saying that, I think that it was executed really well for the intents and purposes of a murder mystery and that was so engaging that I was just like oh yeah no good this is like the fact that this game can keep me guessing so consistently is very promising definitely yeah I thought this is a really strong chapter um it really you really come to care for the backstories of some of the characters in this chapter and it, it just makes you feel even more personally connected to some of the people who you uh, who you develop relationships with. So you, you feel so sorry for both Chihiro and Mondo in their circumstances that occur. And it's just so, yeah, depressing, I guess, in that sense. But at the same time, this was... I also had a sense of disgust and the main reason why I had that sense of disgust was the actions of Byakuya. From that, from this point onwards, I loathed Byakuya. He, hmm. I hated his character by this point, first time playing. It's just... Why would you hmm. do this? It makes no sense. It's illogical and it's honestly quite really upsetting that you, yeah. that you, that you would manipulate the situation like that. And for this crime... He should have his arms broken, not his legs. <laughs> his arms. I figured it out. Allow if him you to break get back his, to the dorm. If you break his arms, he can't hurt anyone. That's how you do no, it. But what if you break his legs in the dormitories? 
Oh, but then he then starves to death. Like, like you need to, you need to give him a way to like. What if you feed you him every day? Yeah, you'd you'd have to sit him down and feed him. But if he walked off, if he walked off and chose not to be fed, then that'd be him killing himself. Like that's yeah, the convention. That's right? not murder. That's not murder. <laughs> that's his choice. You know, Can't you break his arms. Figured out how to kill Vyakia. <laughs> This podcast has deviated into finding ways to kill a specific character without not, not him. to not to kill him, but just to High neutralize him because he's such a goddamn threat to stability. Like, I'm I'm operating under the principle that yeah, let's just live our life here comfortably. Actually, let's not kill anyone. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what like, I think the is point? the ideal solution for this environment. You yeah. know, looking at the you DVDs, build a little the world sus- outside could be destroyed anyway. Exactly. If nobody killed anybody from the start, you could build a little mini society in that fucking school. It's got so much room. There's enough room to pair off, have couplings, triplings, have as many partners as you want, have kids. Kids can have unlimited food, supposedly. Yep, exactly. Your kids can marry into another family, have more kids. You know, with a different people, there's not really much of an opportunity for inbreeding because there's own there's like what a good split of like eight, fifteen, 15 or so people there. Kids at the start. Yeah, yeah exactly. Look at the What's opportunity. What's going to do have? with the babies? Exactly. <laughs> what is it? Them you know, all to the same rules and shit. Are they just all going to get handbooks? Sure and they all need to sleep in dorms and stuff. Now, admittedly, when the bear just starts shifting the rules, there's not much that you mm. can do about that. That that makes a problem. And admittedly, the the odds are weighed against you. But I deeply, firmly believe that were these children to instead be adults, they would just learn to live with the fucking situation that they were put in. You know? You know? There's no need to kill. Uh, That's the overall message of this podcast. There's no need to kill. Overall message, exactly. Mm. (laughs) Um, So, gentlemen, it's been a wonderful... Let's have a look. We've been here for about two hours now. A little over two hours. It's, it's been, been wonderful. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And I'm more excited. I'm even more excited to continue going through this game. So I'm hoping that you're loving it, and I can't wait to continue. So thank you for, for giving your insights and opinions. Anytime. Cheers. Anytime, lad. Anytime. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the Danganronpa After Class Podcast. We've just finished reviewing Chapter 2 of Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. So next time when we are back on the podcast, we will be reviewing Chapter 3 of Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. Once again, if you would like to follow us on Twitter to get all updates to everything that's going on with the podcast, you can follow us at DRAfterClassPod on Twitter. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel at DanganronpaAfterClass on YouTube. I have a couple of videos that I am currently in the process of working on for this channel, so we will be looking to upload to that channel very soon, so keep an eye out for that. And as always, we will be back in a fortnight's time with our newest episode this time we'll be reviewing chapter three of Romper tricker happy havoc please remember to follow us on spotify to get notified of when our new episode launches you can also follow us on many other platforms including apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, 
SoundCloud and all of our distributed websites that you may listen through to. And if you would like to send us a voice question, you can go to anchor.fm and you can send us a quick voice clip, which we will endeavor to answer as quickly as possible once you have sent through a voice clip to us. So if you have anything you want to ask us and have us answer personally, please go to anchor.fm Dangaromba After Class Podcast and we'll be more than happy to answer your questions at any point. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for spending your time listening to us today and we'll see you next time.